Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. I know, huge surprise. <laughs> Whoa, that sounded really <laughs> threatening at first. I didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, I just wanted to build different. up the suspense a little bit, you know? <laughs> you know, you never know. It could be someone else. It's not. It's me. <laughs> well, you should be building up the suspense because this week on the show, we are talking about The Bad Batch, season two, episodes nine through 14, folks. It's the sixth episode extravaganza has happened only twice in the history of friends of the force this is a special one well the last time it was seven seven but six is a pretty colossal <laughs> get it colossus colossal i know um number so let's count them folks okay 209 210 211 212 213 and 214 that is six whole episodes guys are we um crazy for doing six episodes in one episode yes is it unprecedented for the pod as we mentioned a second ago no, no. so is it on brand for the pod yes <laughs> also yes <Completely. laughs> yeah so here we are uh talking about six you know exciting episodes on the second half of season two uh bringing us all the way up to the finale which will air next week as of this dropping which like holy cow yeah. And uh, to be very clear, too, we are waiting with all of you. Our, our screeners only went up till episode 14. So at the time of this recording, we're gonna have to wait like another six, five to six weeks till we get finale. Like this is kind of literally kind of brutal. Like three weeks. Uh, it feels longer than that. We're only on it's, episode it's, nine aired this week. We got 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. That's five weeks. And then another when week. Episode, wait a second. When does the finale air? <laughs> I think it airs like the end of March. We're talking like the week before celebration. It's like the 27th of March. Oh, March 29. Okay. And it's yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's before, okay. The 20, you know, there's no 29th of February, but it's before the 29th of February True. <laughs> right now. So it's like, it's like five weeks. It's a long time. I don't want to wait. You got to go break into Lucasfilm and, and, and get copies of the finale. Wait, we're, we're, we are, For legal reasons, are, that's a joke. We are creating the illusion. I didn't even catch it. It's fine. Um, we're creating the illusion that there's no time that passed. Anyway, so the finale Correct. drops next week. And, Lucky you, listener. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting here like, oh, my God, give it to me now. And I know that we're still going to be sitting here saying, oh, my God, get it to me now on you know March 22nd when this when this drops. So. Ah, 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 ah. OK. Yeah, this was a, a good a good bunch of episodes that we got you know i think the seven and eight mid-season special event was definitely a tone setter for the latter half of the season i will mm. say i was a little worried when we went from that to like two side quests sid sid mission of the week episodes like right after that on like the desert planet and to be fair like those those episodes definitely had something to offer and i'm excited to like talk about that um, but then like after that, then we really started to get back into like crosshair and like the cloning and and everything that's been going on behind the scenes with the Empire and like what it's all building to on Mount Tantus. And it was like really exciting and unexpected to see that come back so soon. I was expecting like a finale drop for that. Like, but yeah, we had a couple episodes there with uh, some new faces that are quite terrifying. But I really enjoyed all these episodes. I think they each had something to offer. And uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get into it here shortly. But what did you think of of these six? I have like a positive opinion, you know, by the end of them. But 
numbers nine and 10, the crossing and retrieval didn't do a lot for me. Um, and then we started to get somewhere with like metamorphosis and then the outpost uh, and Pabu was interesting. And then tipping point is a really great setup for the finale. So um, I feel mixed about going ex- f- directly from seven and eight to the story that nine and 10 gave us and like the scale of seven and eight versus nine and 10. Um, but like, man, by the time 214 rolls around with tipping point, you got me. You got me. Yeah. And that's a, so. I think maybe that's a good place to maybe mention too. Like we had a little bit of a different, a big difference in our, our viewing of this season versus first season. Cause we didn't have screeners for season one. So we were taking it week by week. We were talking about it week by week. And I think you and I both felt that that was a bit of a struggle sometimes just because we were so burned out. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. And naturally just cause there's 16 episodes. Um, but also, I mean, not every episode necessarily like was a hit out of the park. Uh, and I think this season getting to take it all in at once has really helped me and like maybe have even more of a positive view of the season overall, but I could definitely understand like people's frustration that they might be having week to week sort of wondering like, when are we going to get crosshair? Like we haven't seen him right. in like, you know, four weeks, like where, what are we getting crosshair or like, what's the larger story? And again, like not that each of these episodes are uh, not offering anything. And I, I still don't believe in the word filler. Like every episode has some sort of character building or thing that it adds value to, but it's just a matter of like, what is the overall through line of the season? And like, how are we building up to that episode 14? And I really felt like in the second half of the season, it did pick up just in the way I wanted it to, um, besides episodes nine and 10. Although I still enjoyed aspects of those episodes, like tremendously. Um, but yeah, how did you, how do you feel like seeing, like, I guess getting to watch them all at once, like a big six chunker. That's the way to do it. I mean, as I mentioned a minute ago, like at least for us, we were so burned out by the end of uh, season one of the bad batch. Um, and not that we didn't, you know, come out of that coverage and and that experience together, like, um, hating it or anything like, like, or I don't know how I'm phrasing that. (laughs) Does that make sense? We didn't come out of it, like hating it. They were like, we had a good time overall and there were fun moments in every episode, but it was difficult to, I think, sit here and, um, like give an hour episode about these half hour episodes for 14 Um, weeks, you know, 14, 16 weeks. Yeah. For for not every one of them being for us, a a big hit, like some of them were misses for us more than, more than not. And so getting to watch them in a binge format is I think what works best for the show, because you do get to see, um, the story progress, um, in a way that it feels natural for it to progress. Um, but also in a way that like gives value to some of the smaller stories. Because I, I mean, I think my criticism overall, and we discussed this in our seven episode on seven and eight, was that I, we don't really feel like we have a full understanding of if the show knows who it's for and what exactly it wants to be. It seems to kind of want to exist in a lot of spaces. Um, but when you kind of watch it all together, it minimizes that feeling that you're left with of like, oh, it's trying to exist in all the spaces, um, because you're able to feel the flow of it a little bit more. Um, and so for me, getting to feel the flow is I think really key, even when, you know, there are some episodes that are more misses than hits for me. Um, being able to move on and and understand what comes next is always helpful. 
I want to get your quick opinion before we actually dive into the episode, but what would you think of the Bad Batch moving to a two-per-week release format? Just permanently. two-per-week like, release format? Yeah, just every, every week they release two episodes. What would you think of that idea? Because we've done that. I mean, we will have done that three weeks this season with the premiere, the mid-season, and the finale. So we have at least six of the 16 episodes dropping together this year um well not every you know episode is a part of a duo you know like the ones that we've gotten so far seven and eight were clearly stories that stacked on each other one and two were clearly stories that were continuations of each other nine and ten are like that too um quite directly but you know there isn't that same feeling between like 11 and 12 in the same way Mm -hmm. um so i don't know i mean yes but also no (laughs) Yeah, that's a great I, point. I honestly feel point. like the like the straight up binge format makes the most sense for this show in particular for me as a viewer. At least. Yeah, I don't have strong feelings like with asking that question. I'm just kind of throwing it out there because of I think there have been a lot of duo episodes like nine and ten. I really do think should have dropped together because I think to wait a week between those episodes is a bit much. It's kind but of killer. Many, yeah, many other episodes I think still deserve to be like, you know, taken in on their own and at once. But the binging format does work really well for the show. So I think if you're out there, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you've probably been watching The Bad Batch. But if for some reason this is your first time listening to us talk about The Bad Batch, welcome. Um, This is a great show to binge. Like you have a whole first season. You have now 14 episodes of season two and soon to come the finale. Um, I do think this is a good show to binge. If you're behind on your animation and Star Wars and you want to watch all of the animated Star Wars shows like this is a good one still. At the end of the day. And this is also one, and, and I really don't mean this in a like negative connotation or derogatory way in, in any way at all, because like I think the show is stunning uh, visually and I think that it's it's overall quite interesting. It exists in an interesting time as well. But like if you're like, okay, I need to catch up on my animation, but you know, I'm limited on time or I've only got so much time to watch TV, this is one where you can, you know, sometimes put it on in the background and and like work with it, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, and again, that's really not a dig to the show. Um, no, but because it's, Clone Wars has those too, like six right. seasons of the Clone Wars. Like I could, I could give you 15 episodes of the Clone Wars that you could put on while you're doing laundry or cooking or, you know, you name it. It's a household compliment. chores. You want to take yeah. start for me. I'm like, you can do your audiobook while you're driving, while you're eating, while you're doing a puzzle. I feel the same way about this. Uh, so it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. one you can take with you because it's digestible enough that if you don't have your eyes on the screen every moment, you're not like m- missing any big things most of the time. Um, but like you'll want to pay attention to it anyway. Totally. Uh, if, yeah. If you're watching, if you're listening to our episode on episodes nine through fourteen, you've probably already figured something out for yourself, and you probably have either watched it week by week or are catching up in the future. Uh, hello, future. Um, <laughs> and this, you know, this advice or this conversation means nothing to you. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting the ways in which the binge versus weekly format has like started in one place got completely flipped upside down by the binge format and now is back to the weekly format but you know like i think for a lot of places but i also think like the weekly format isn't the best format for every show nor you know nor is like the idea of the limited six episode series the right 
length for every story. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> that's like a whole other we could we could do that a whole other episode on uh length of TV uh, seasons and right. release format as a beast to dive into. Well, but it is, yeah, but it's like, very it, interesting it, how it's evolved. Um, it it really actually I think matters to the stories that are being told because uh you know it's one thing to be on uh TV and you to have a 23 episode season and you know you're a fire department show and you got to have a fire in every episode or you're like your house and you've got to have a case in every episode um and and i think like this show is kind of existing between that idea of like that that very weekly come back every week and watch a mission sort of feeling and the sort of feeling of like we want to really dive into the overarching story at the same time um which in Star Wars has sometimes existed week to week, which has sometimes existed in a two and a half hour movie format, uh, sometimes exists in books. Like it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. And that's why we don't get paid the big bucks to write these things. We just talk that's about them right. here on we the podcast. We get paid no dollars Nothing. at all, which is why we have a Patreon. <laughs> if you want to support us on Patreon and keep the, keep the lights on and the mics running, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash friends of the force. Making sure that you can uh, <laughs> go to friends of the forestpod.com if you need to at any time. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I, well, I'm so sorry for the, the, the perfectly shameless plug, plug. aside. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So we're going to talk about nine and 10 here uh, very briefly as a, as a chunk of episode because uh, they do go hand in hand. Uh, for me, I think the standout with these episodes was that it was the first time that we get to we get to see the batch without echo mm-hmm. and how do they react to that? Like, can they move forward? Can they still like coherently work together? And obviously we see a lot of things start to go wrong. They lose the ship. They get caved in. Things just feel like, Oh, that wouldn't have happened if echo were here. You know, like mm-hmm. I kind of have mm-hmm. that in the back of my mind, like echo would have kept them in line. And so they have to sort of find that, sense of family and find that it does still hold together strong even without one of the members of that family and i think for me the highlight was the conversations between omega and and tech mm-hmm. where one we learn we learn that tech is is neurodivergent and we've kind of sensed that just in the way a lot of his um and his speaking and, and the way that he behaves throughout the seasons and you know it's kind of good to get confirmation of that through his own words uh, where he tells he tells Omega, um, I may process moments and thoughts differently, but it does not mean that I feel any less than you. You know, because Omega's like, why don't you feel like more, uh, more of this way? Like, why aren't you sadder? Like, why aren't why aren't you missing mm-hmm. uh, Tech or Echo more? You know. And so I thought that was a really valuable conversation, and he had a lot of good things to say. Like that they have to respect the the paths that Echo and Crosshair chose, even if it's not ones they would have taken. And they have to keep moving forward, right? Because that's mm-hmm. that's just what they have to do. They have to carry on with each other. And Omega kind of cements that at the end of these two episodes where she's like, you know, we'll keep going. We're family. We're, we can do this, you know? And I thought that was very a very freeing feeling for Omega as well as the rest of the batch to realize, like, we can do this still. Like, we're, we're not out of this quite yet. I thought it was interesting that we get these episodes uh, where everything goes wrong, which is a great point. I don't actually think that I thought about that when the episode was happening, that the, the maybe this wouldn't be happening if, if uh, Echo were here and we had one more person and one more voice in this conversation. But you're absolutely right. Um, 
But I thought what was interesting about this one is I felt like tech got to have a lot more of the spotlight once Echo, you know, wasn't in the episode and wasn't in this story. Because I think in season one and into season two as well, tech and Echo um, get reduced to a very similar type of character in the sense that Echo is quite literally the droid of the operation Mm -hmm. and tech is the brains of the operation and together they make up the droid nerd, you know, like, yeah, yeah. um, they, they play the role of R2D2 and C3PO within the batch. Oh, totally. And that's thought about that, but that's a good analogy. And honestly, at times there were be times when I have gotten them put together in my brain or mixed up in my brain because in that way they weren't, getting the definition that I wanted from each of them because they're both really interesting characters and they're both characters that I like a lot. I am a big sucker for the logical nerd boy. Like I am a Spock girl through and through. Okay. It's the truth. It's, it's, I feel the same way about tech. Like (laughs) these characters have a very special place in my heart. Um, and, and so I really like the character of tech and I also like the character of echo because echo has dealt with so much and, you know, is, is working through that. And I think that's why his story in episode eight and the, why he's left is, is very powerful because he's kind of making a big choice for himself because of everything that he's gone through in the past, et cetera. Um, so, you know, we talked about whether they would get written right off echo or whatever. And that, you know, as we know, that's not necessarily the case, uh, as we'll get through these episodes, but having them split up, I think is really allowing both of them to flourish as characters and really cement themselves as different types of characters as well, which I like. Um, I also really liked the Omega and tech conversations. I think that's like definitely the highlight of, of 209, the crossing because I, you know, we've always, as you said, like sensed that uh, tech kind of processes things in maybe a different way than the rest of the batches, especially when you put tech against Omega who like really, really leads um, with her emotions and her heart, like, you know, on her sleeve at the forefront of the way that she processes just the situations around her. And it's clear that tech, um, doesn't quite process the situations around him and the self in the same way. Um, and so I think that was like a great teaching moment for the audience as well. Um, that comment between, uh, tech and echo where she's like, we're a family. And he's like, of course we are. And he's like, why don't you, or she's like, why don't you act like it, act like it. And then that's where we get that comment of, of processing moments and thoughts differently. And I think that that's, you know, like really valuable for both Omega to understand the ways in which love may look different from different people, you know, just because it's expressed differently doesn't mean it's, you know, any less or different. Um, but also to the audience to be like, Hey, neurodivergent people exist. You know, we, we are all capable of, you know, going on adventure of, you know, loving each, uh, those around us like family and like friends and, um, and with like lovers, like all of these things, like everybody's allowed to have big complex emotions. Um, and because they handle them differently, doesn't mean that they're not valid or valuable or happening. Well said, well said. I, I couldn't say it any better than that, honestly. Um, I think it was a really touching moment and it's been great to see a lot of the fandom pointing to that conversation and taking that away from the episode. And then just overall too, like this episode and these episodes showing the resilience of of family and how family can come together even in like the worst of circumstances and how they can get through any obstacle together and 
extending um extending like sympathy to each other and also a sense of understanding even if the other person might look at things or think of things differently and and then you might so um yeah very very valuable lesson for for the audience and our characters yeah i will say too i think the overall uh vibe of this planet like with like the desert and the music and just the the landscape i thought it was all really awesome honestly like i love the sort of like country southern like twang to it and kind of how um, i almost felt like i was watching an episode of like an old western as i mm. as i traverse the as they traverse the desert and find some villages and um and you know they eventually find these children and and benny who's voiced by jonathan lipow who is also the voice of gunji and is playing uh, rj 83 in the young jedi adventures so um you know he'll be around for quite some time in star wars i think he's done a lot of other stuff in star wars too but uh you know we meet benny and all these kids who are working under uh i think what was his name um madoc or something mako 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 yes uh working under mako who is taking profits for himself and leaving the the children out of it um eventually bites him in the butt and he falls into a pit of lava uh down with capitalism eat the rich or honestly throw them in lava i guess honestly (laughs) so literally the whole point of these two episodes other than like the i think omega and tech and understand and also the like the batch understanding how they work together outside of echo is literally like at the end of episode 10 um where they're like sid 30 percent absolutely not it's literally them going wait a second we have bargaining power like that's (laughs) it's literally we provide value to this organization it's like Um, the always sunny meme where it shows like the white text on the black screen and it's like you know the gang did this or whatever for the bad batch it's like the gang learned about bargaining power or the batch learned about bargaining power (laughs) i don't know this meme oh boy but that's all I right. Believe I you. hope somebody out there does does understand what I'm saying here. <laughs> but there's a great moment where Omega says the Empire is not the only threat we we've seen. So many in the galaxy are like Mako, and Tex says, unfortunately, yes. However, there are many like us as well, and that is something. And I think that's a great takeaway about the value of hope, um, and the value of uh, like a like a strong team and a family. Uh, and so I really liked that message coming away from you know, this story, but it's literally like, Hey, these two episodes workers rights. It's just great. I'm a fan. Also resonates a bit with like Lando and the rise of Skywalker when he's like, there's more of us. Yeah, you know? totally. Uh, it just goes to show that the hopeful people in the galaxy definitely outweigh the bad. Um, it's just a matter of how do those hopeful people come together to maintain that hope and fight against oppressive forces. And we definitely see how that is coming together and tipping point and we'll get to that uh you know shortly here but i i love how that idea of coming together and and fighting together and finding commonalities with each other and using those commonalities to uh to help others enlist in the cause is really really cool and why i love the like the rebellion time period so much and like the post order 66 pre-rogue one time period specifically is like how does rebellion form and like how do those pockets of rebellion form too? Like it's not just like all it's not always a concentrated effort. Like sometimes it is disparate strike teams who are doing their own thing, like the Mantis crew in Jedi Fallen Order, right? And here we have the Bad Batch, and then we're gonna have 
the fulcrum agents under Bail Organa, who they do their own thing together with uh, Ahsoka and with uh, um, Cassian Andor, like their fulcrum agents and Callus. So uh, I think Callus. Yeah, I think, again, like we're eventually moving towards like even if the batch doesn't become part of the larger rebel alliance, which I think they will. I'm hopeful that they do. I think they will, for many of their days to come, be doing these sorts of things and carrying on that that line that you just said, which is like, there's more of us out there, you know? Right, right. I totally, I ultimately agree. And like, I think that's a valuable message to send and probably what the show is trying to get at. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of, uh, I also have to, okay. Wow, my brain, it's all over the place. Um, I also wanted to agree with you that the Kiner Brothers music has been, you know, like really cool uh, in these two episodes in particular, but also throughout the season. Um, I think Kevin Kiner is doing a great job with this um, score. While it's not something that I see myself like listening to like on the regular outside of these episodes, I definitely feel like this music elevates the situations that we're in and sticks out as like, Oh, that's, that's cool. That's interesting music, which I think is valuable in in itself. Um, so I thought that was cool. I also have to say, you know, we've been talking about the colors and the visuals of these stories and just how cool this season looks. I'm obsessed with the Ipsium drilling visuals. I can't explain it. There's something about like when Omega is like drilling into the, you know, the crystal or whatever. And the way that it like flakes away, very satisfying. Sarah's going to go watch like six straight hours of like Ipsium (laughs) drilling ASMR tonight. (laughs) Don't out me. (laughs) (laughs) And if it doesn't already exist, so she'll have to start her own, her own YouTube channel. um, It's like the 10 hours of Niku saying, I like food, 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 food. Right. But it's just Ipsium drilling. But it's like the 10 seconds of Ipsium drilling. I think you found your next cosplay for Star Wars Celebration. You should be Ipsium like drill? Ipsium Driller. You just Ipsium walk driller. around and just drill things and a little goo comes out into the... <laughs> I can't explain why it is so satisfying, but like it really is. And I'm really sorry to everybody that they all have to know that about me. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? What is, a, what, is, what is having a podcast if not oversharing about random interests yeah. and things yeah. in life you know like we can do it here and it can't be quote tweeted or dunked on that's why we do it in a safe space <laughs> an audio format an audio format the trolls have to get into this episode 28 minutes to dunk on us jokes on you we got paid zero dollars by this time you've listened to the episode anyways <laughs> and we don't have ads so it doesn't actually matter uh, anyway, no, but seriously um <laughs> i think the drilling visual is very cool and i like how the ipsium kind of like lit up behind the rock too like yeah visually i think was really interesting and i also liked like the travel through the water cool to watch quite thrilling um Mm -hmm. reminded me (laughs) reminded me of um xbox 360 connect like the adventure oh my god here we go again (laughs) here we go again before it was marbles the game and now you're you're, now you're bringing up xbox connect you can't come after me for the marble game. Oh okay? my God. That was marble blast ultra. The love of my life. Okay. But we this should play like Star the... Wars connect. For I the listeners. Okay. Well then yeah. That's uh, expensive. But maybe that's next time true. I'm in Chicago. Uh, maybe C2E2. I'll come back. Chris Evans is going to be there you now. You realize the C2E2 is in like, you know, as of, as of this dropping, like in a week from now. Wait, what? 
Yeah, it's like March 31 to April 2. Oh, shit. It's not happening. I think you're busy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brad, I'm going to London. Cal- look at the calendar, Brad. Wait, is it really in March? Anyways, okay, is, we'll talk. We'll is. talk. That's well, a disappointment. It, it, used to be, it used to be at this time, and then it changed because of COVID, but now they're going back. Chicago, what are you doing? That's how it's always what been, you Brad. You just came at a weird time. Anyway, oh, uh, man. Ipsium exploding and then Gonky being the key to all of this. That's the first two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add? Indeed. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's pretty pretty much it for for these two episodes. So let's move on to Metamorphosis, which marks the triumphant return of not only Nalase, of not only Lama Sue, that Woo! bitch, he back, but the Zillow Beast. The I mean, Zillow Beast. Somehow I, the Zillow it Beast returned. After hit, after hit in this episode. How did we get the Kaminoans and the Zillow Beast? all back in a single 28 minute episode. Like they were crazy for that. Oh gosh. What an episode. I just immediately had alien slash aliens vibes immediately, right? Like nobody hears you scream in space. You get the ship coming out of hyperspace on fire, you know, ship is empty. Klaxons are blaring. You got the Republic commando running around. It really felt like a horror like a yeah. horror movie for Star yeah. Wars. And I was like, oh, yes, lean into this, lean into this, you know, picking up the stormtrooper, hearing the crunching, hearing the snap and the scream stop. I was like, this is, this is some scary stuff. It's, it's February, Lucasfilm. I'm not, I'm it's, too, it's too yeah, spooky. Halloween just happened. Halloween just happened. It's too spooky for me right now, but I'll watch. Uh, Cause I love, I love, again, I love Alien. I love Aliens. And it just really reminded me of that. Um, so, and then to find out it was the Zillow Beast and that we learn Palpatine had ordered to have the uh, Zillow Beast cloned after he killed it mm. uh, in the Clone Wars, mm. after the, the Republic killed the Zillow Beast in the Senate. Uh, everybody should go watch that episode of the Clone Wars because it is a tragic, tragic one <laughs> if you want true pain. Hey, uh, friends, listeners, you should go watch this episode. It's pain. You'll love it. Yeah. That's what Brad just said. <laughs> Uh, but I think the biggest takeaways from this episode is one, Dr. Hemlock now has uh, has the batch on his radar, which we, we find out uh, Dr. Royce Hemlock is his uh, full name voiced by uh, Jimmy Simpson. And uh, he was an expelled. Uh, he was expelled from the Republic Science Corps due to unauthorized and unorthodox experiments. So he scares the shit out of me. This guy is a. Uh, uh, oh my god, that's Jimmy Simpson from Westworld. Are you kidding me? I just looked up a picture of Jimmy Simpson. Did not make the connection. Holy smokes! I love this guy. This guy's a great actor, actually. I can't believe they got. Him. Oh, he's also in It's Always Sunny. Oh, wow, wait, I that's know this guy. What a what a what a trip. He's also okay. in Star Trek Prodigy. Wow. Wait a second. <laughs> well, this is this, great. I don't know how to feel about this, actually. No, this is Dr. 10 out of 10 casting. Dr. Hemlock is like my personal enemy. <laughs> like, he scares me. He's creepy. Like, his voice is really uh, terrifying. And I don't, Jimmy yeah. Simpson is not my enemy. Jimmy Simpson's good. Uh, we didn't think it could get worse than Admiral Rampart, and I really feel like it's gotten worse. This is proof that if you if you if you extract one weed from the overflowing garden that is the Empire, another mm. weed will spring up somewhere else. Like it's just you right. can't uh, you can't cut the head off of this beast. 
right? Another mm-hmm. one grows. Uh, and I think that just goes to show power is a vacuum that likes to be filled. And, um, and he's, he's the one in charge now. And I, I do like how we were theorizing that Mount Tantus and the Kevin Owens and Nala Say would come back into the picture. And lo behold, here we are. The you Kevin Owens on. are playing a huge part um, in all of this. So what did, like, how did you feel about them being brought back into the picture? And especially Lama Su, because we thought he was, he was a goner after last season. Right. Well, I think it was interesting because when we talked about it on our last episode, we discussed a bit how, oh, we're like Nala Say is like being an active player in this. And it's clear that she is not. Uh, she says, you know, they're wanting to use her research. And she goes, well, I'm not particularly motivated, you know, to help. I'm like, Darn And right. use it for Palpatine specifically. Right. So Palpatine's up to some cloning stuff, which, well, you know, we, we knew. We knew. We knew this. We knew that. Uh, but anyway, um, another story for a different day. Um, I actually wrote a note in this and I said, uh, is, uh, oh gosh, who did I write? What if Crosshair is Snoke? (laughs) That's from the outpost. But what if I wrote, what if Crosshair is Snoke? It's possible. Torturing him. Um, anyway, anyway, not let's say like not playing an active role, I think definitely defied it my expectation uh based on the conversation that we have uh had and then Lama Su coming in and being like it's the girl that you need she's a clone and then also in okay I'm jumping all over the place here but in the outpost when the lieutenant who is also my enemy lieutenant Nolan said uh it would be a waste of the empire's resources to like help the one guy and then also he's like well the clones are the empire's property. I was like, mm. I hate it here. Feels um, bad. Feels, feels bad. bad. Feels bad. Yeah. So, you know, I think Dr. Hemlock like definitely feels like he has an authority over all the clones and over Omega specifically um, because she is a clone uh, and like going after her because she's, she's the key to all this um, for Nalise. Anyway, thought it was interesting that they were back. And uh, still curious about whether Crosshair is Snoke or not. This whole Mount Tantus facility is so intriguing to me because it really feels like it's being kept under lock and key. We saw the one sniper hunter guy who was going after Chuchi bite the pill. We see the other guy in the tipping point on the ship bite the pill when he they're asking him, like, where are they taking the clones? And he is Mm. willing to kill himself in order to protect that information and now hemlock is like we got to find these witnesses to the zillow beast because like they are the only ones who know possibly you have an inkling of what we're doing here on mount tantus right and so if this fits in the palpatine's larger scheme like if i were hemlock i would do anything possible to cut off every single loose end because it means his life if, if you're if you're answering to palpatine and his initiative like you're kind of in a sticky spot if, if you have open, open, uh, open ends. Right. And you know, we saw the empire rounding up all the citizens. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, yeah. That was unexpected. I, I was, uh, chilling, chilling, terrifying considering we see them putting cl- just like random clones in prisons, you know, and, and torturing them and doing experiments on them. Like what are they planning to do with these like this town of citizens they were um, quote unquote dealt with according to the one commando you know and that that to me feel good 
Yeah, you know, I don't know about that one. I do want to ask you, like, the timeline of when this is all happening. No idea. So, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, just with the outpost, you know, Crosshair ends up shooting uh, Lieutenant Nolan, deservedly, because no one was a piece of shit. And he wakes up and he is under the care. I wouldn't really, I guess I, I use the word care very, very lightly uh, under the, uh, on the, the observation of one of those doctors and doctors, are, you know, quotation marks, quotation marks. Yes. Mad scientists, whatever you want to call them. Villains, hero or villains, you know, right, people. right. We know that the Empire is using those machines on that ship to extract the genetic material from the Zillow Beast in order to create armor plating. So we know that they have specific technology to extract genetic material. Uh, is this... Is Crosshair's detainment happening before Episode 7 and 8 to the point where maybe they also extract some of his DNA to create like that super soldier sniper guy who like mm. looks like who we thought was crosshair and has all the qualities of crosshair and the skills, but just ends up being an ordinary clone who had his number scrubbed because we know the clones are being brought to this facility. We don't know why we don't know what's happening, but it seems very significant that that one clone had no number. And yeah, here we are now with crosshair genetic material of crosshair is he's a great sniper connect the dots you know am i am i maybe on the something i just feel like maybe these these episodes aren't happening in the order we think they might be that's sort of like a really interesting point not something that i thought about while watching the episodes but it does make a certain amount of sense when you think about it in that way because of the certain qualities that the character in episode seven had um that being said i really wouldn't be surprised if it all ha- is happening linearly um, and that time is just passing. Um, yeah, I could definitely, now that I think about it, like I could definitely see these things happening at the same time, especially because it has been so long since we've seen Crosshair. Yeah. And I guess even Crosshair out of the picture, I think that that clone with the scrub number is directly related to Mount Tantus. Oh, I think 100%. those, you know, regardless of Crosshair's involvement, I think those right. two things go hand in hand for sure. Right. And there is a bit of a Mandalorian connection too here with with everything that's going on because we know Dr. Pershing, you know, as soon as I heard doctor, I was like, wait, is this a young Dr. Pershing in, in the Bad Batch? That would be that would be wild. But we know in the Mandalorian, Dr. Pershing takes Grogu in the third episode. And when the Mando rescues him, Grogu is under that same machine that Crosshair is under. It's like the same exact machine. Uh, So that kind of connects to how Dr. Pershing was trying to maybe extract the genetic DNA of Grogu to uh, extract his like midichlorians, his M count, as it's called in the series. Right. So I just kind of made those those connections as well. And, you know, he's also wearing like the same outfit as Dr. Mm. Hemlock, same logo as uh, on the patch. So, you know, to that point, I don't think anything in this is necessarily to explain what's happening in the Mandalorian. I mean, maybe potentially because we know Palpatine's larger plan is to resurrect himself in a clone body, but he's going to go through some sneaks first. Yeah, some pickles, some pickle jars. <laughs> I just do find it fascinating, though, that like in the post Return to the Jedi timeline that like those Palpatine loyalists, those Imperial loyalists who are part of that like advanced science group or whatever they call themselves, they're still prominent and going strong uh, and trying to do some things to maybe 
bring the empire back to its full power, right? So um, just kind of speaking broadly on that, I thought that was an interesting thing to uh, connect those two time periods. Yeah, I, I totally think so. And I think that those are probably definitely connected. And, you know, it's clear that they're on the same sort of uh, quote unquote medical, you know, path um, in terms of the kind of experiments that they're doing. Um, I just, I don't know. I think it was interesting that they explicitly mentioned Emperor Palpatine. It kind of um, brings everything together in an interesting way. It was very ominous. Very, I'm thinking back to that scene. <laughs> very ominous. Um, I also think from this episode, we've kind of talked about the monster a little bit. We've kind of talked about the Kaminoans. We've talked about um, the Empire. Um, but I, I think there's a great moment in here where Omega like totally roasts Sid. Um, and we can't not mention it um, because she... They, they they essentially like the reason they learn in these past two episodes is that they deserve more than their typical 30% and they just kind of bargain for the first time. Yeah. And I think that that's a great um, moment for the batch to recognize their own autonomy um, and agency like within this new time period and also within their new role in like the world. They're not soldiers for the Republic anymore. Um, so I really liked that as well. And we just we love a good Omega moment. Oh, totally. Anytime Omega has a moment, which she has a couple here and I can't, I can't wait to get some of them. Um, I'm always, I'm always laughing or giggling. And I think I, I, I'm, I was happy that the group finally stuck it to Sid. I will be honest with you. My hot take is that uh, anytime this show involves Sid, it's at its worst. That's my hot take. That's my hot take. Uh, I think She's Sid holds not... the show back. Yeah. It's no offense to Sid or the actress of Sid. I just feel like the batch doing things for money is just not the vibe. Uh, and it's, mm, mm. it gets very repetitive. And when she appeared on the screen in this episode, I was like, Oh no, we're doing another like mission of the week for Sid thing. And luckily it didn't turn into that, but that was my, that was my concern. So, um, which I think honestly is like why the rest of these episodes are so good. It's because they're not constrained to Sid's schedule and her agenda and like what she wants out of them. You know, I totally agree. And I think that like, I don't know if Sid is completely out of the equation, you know, like we don't know if she's going to come back or have a role to play in the finale or in future seasons, but them putting distance between themselves and Sid, I think was really important for these characters and also allows the story just in general to progress further. So I was really glad to see it. Totally. Totally. So if we could move on to the outposts, uh, the outpost I thought was, a great episode for Crosshair. It was the first time we saw Crosshair since episode three. Uh, so that was quite alarming to go like another nine episodes without him again. But right, right off the bat, um, you know, we see a clone being shuffled off into like, quote unquote, forced retirement, which has kind of got my gears turning about like when this episode was taking place. Is this after Palpatine's speech where he's like round up the clones and, you know, get them get him out of here or is this sort of pre Palpatine speech? Mm. Um, that's why I was kind of wondering that. Cause it seemed like they were they're They're asking the clones to retire or, or they're telling them they're not asking, I guess is a better way of right. phrasing it. But yeah, I mean, this was an interesting episode because it's the one where I think everything clicks into place for crosshair. Right. I will say Mayday. We meet Mayday, the clone who I think is the hottest clone that we've ever, we've ever met. Yeah pretty hot guys um Listen. i don't want to derail this episode entirely <laughs> but i know all his people died and he like barely had any rations or whatever and was like really suffering in the wilderness and like that's why he's got a beard but like 
Um, it's a vibe. It's a look. The, the beard. The beard it's, for sure. It's serving. It's, it really is just like a good, good, uh, good look for the clone. I, I support Mayday in his uh, bearded mission. Mm-hmm. To be totally. a clone with a beard. I don't know how that works with your helmet, though. Um, because like when you put on his scratchy. helmet, there was no evidence of beard, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but we're just not going to worry about it because the aesthetic quality of the beard was there. This is Sarah's bombs don't fall in space moment. It's where <laughs> the beards go inside the helmet. God damn you. <laughs> Bad batch. You know what? You know what? Um, Brad Rao and Jennifer Corbett have ruined my adulthood. Where the beards I'm go? A strongly worded letter. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't care about bombs in space or beards and helmets, but uh, I will have a silly conversation about it because why not? You know, sometimes, sometimes you got to throw the logic out and that's fine. I'm happy to do it. But every once in a while you go, but what about the logic? LOL. <laughs> bombs in space, beards and helmet sounds like a great name for a podcast series. What's the What's the premise? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Put it on. It fe- put it, it on feels the like whiteboard. It's like a, the friends uh, of the fourth whiteboard. It feels whiteboard. like it's like a D and D campaign, like like a science fiction D and D campaign bombs and beards, bombs, right. beards, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> a little treat for the people. You're getting the full authenticity here um, on this episode. We we promised Sarah six episode extravaganza was going to be wild. So yeah, I mean that's a good we're, point. We're here. Yeah, we're here. It's a good point. On the discussion Providing of whether the, the capital edit C or content. Not, yeah, whether the edit or not, I I really can't say words today. We're not enough <laughs> to edit that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, I'm like genuinely having a completely normal day. Um, but also what I noticed at work is that I was leaving out words as a ty- I was mm. typing. I was leaving out like ands and us, and Grammarly caught that. But um. Grammarly is not catching it right now because I'm speaking and Grammarly is not functioning. So if the words are happening Uh-oh. and they're really not good, um, you can only blame me for that. But um, yeah, we should maybe I should maybe go to a doctor. Well, anyway, you know who the words said, aren't happening for uh, is Mayday because he's dead. Um, he well, died. I really thought I was going to make a transition and then you just cut in to make one of your own. <laughs> Why did we lose Mayday? That was okay. Literally, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday down. Let's, Mayday. Okay, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So they're in like the like caverns, I guess, underneath like this wintry wilderness, to which I said, this is the reason why they have Snowtrooper, uh, you know, looks in the future. Mayday is the reason he's the birth Mayday of the Snowtrooper. They're like, um, shit, we got to listen. We don't like that crosshair guy, but we got to fix that uh, for next time. Yeah. If, <laughs> so they're out, if they're out in the cold and they can't survive, like that's, that's money for that's us. That's an issue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So basically they're like in the uh, caverns under like the tunnels underneath. And there's this conversation between the two of them where they come across this dead raider. And Mayday is like, you know, that's like really disappointing that they left him there. And Crosshair's like, well, they don't want to carry dead weight. And Mayday goes, well, remind me not to die around you. Like die on your watch. Oh my gosh. And like, first of all, that was the nail in the coffin. Woof. Um, but Ouch. 
so so when they have that avalanche, right? And they and and Crosshair goes after Mayday. And he, Mayday is like, I'm not gonna make it. And Crosshair makes that choice to pick him up and take him with him. I was like, oh, big things are happening for Crosshair right now. This is a big yeah, change yeah. for him because um he is going against his his own um typical mode of thinking yeah typical mode of thinking expectation of himself um moral compass about other people and and really like putting care in another person to carry them across the cold tundra which will take longer and cause more problems for crosshair as well who is in better condition um and so when we get back to the base and lieutenant nolan the piece of shit he's the, oh, he's the worst. Hate he's him. Hate he's him. the worst. Like he came on the scene and I was like, oh, he hates clothes. I don't think like, I've ever been happier when somebody's been shot in Star Wars. This might be like a top five. Haha, you got shot moment for me. <laughs> like, haha, you're dead. Um, like, bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I feel like in the early in the episode three, I was like, no, no, no. Crosshair, don't do it. Don't do it. Crosshair, don't do it. And I was like, in this one, I was like, Crosshair, do it. Well, actually, yeah. Wait, no, you bring up an excellent point because those are like the two big crosshair kill somebody moments of the season was the uh, of um, Tasia Valenza's character from episode three and then Nolan in this episode. And like yeah. they're totally different circumstances for crosshair. Like one means he's following orders. One means he's killing his superior officer. Right. Like, total polar opposite. He would have never, you know, he no. would have he would have never. Um, and, and so. When Mayday dies and, and like when he crosshair calls for a medic and then Nolan instructs all of the other troopers to like go back to their duties of like getting the uh, cargo or whatever. And you see everybody just be apathetic and then Nolan be specifically um What's the word? Malicious, right? In his refusal to have aid. I mean, you it's it's like it's it's the bystander effect of like, oh, someone else will do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of that really feels like it's at play in this moment. Um, and I think for Crosshair with Mayday and with the way that Nolan is treating him, he's starting to understand why his fellow clones have uh decided to take a different path. Um, because he sees, I think, for the first time firsthand with the way that Nolan treats him, um, the ways in which they do not see him as an autonomous uh, being in any sense of the word. And Nolan is calling them like clone or clones throughout the whole episode. There's a, just no a identity. total dehumanization. And again, it goes back to episode seven, where it's like, we need to create an army comprised of the people. Right. And so the clones are not considered people. They're considered right. property of the empire. And to that point, it, like very, very low value property at this point, because they have new soldiers, they have conscripted soldiers and the clones are going to age and they're going to be worthless in the eyes of those officers. And like he said, it's not worth the Empire's resources to save this clone because like he's just going to age quick and die. Like it's not worth not worth my time. That's his thinking. Right. And it's flawed thinking. Um, and for Crosshair to just like watch the evolution of the. The clone to Stormtrooper. 
throughout this season and like seeing, you know, the boxes full of equipment, like they're going on a mission to get cargo to help their replacements full of armor and right. plastoid. Right. So it, there's a certain irony to that, that like they are helping to uphold the very system that is trying to bring them down and wipe out their existence. Uh, and I think Crosshair finally realizes that here and is like, nah, not doing this anymore. Enough's enough, you know, and whether whether or not that. I mean, I think I think it is really his true turning point. I think it is like finally he is totally committed to this and committed to at some point getting back with the batch and um, finding that loyalty again. I think in this episode, the biggest thing is Crosshair finds uh, his sense of loyalty. To another clone, because we talked about that before. Uh, Crosshair did not have a sense of loyalty. He only had a loyalty to orders, not people. And now he's just finally rediscovered that. Like, I can be loyal to people as well. Well, uh, yeah, I think it's a loyalty to people and a loyalty to himself and his own autonomy, um, which I think is really valuable as well. Like, he's considering his own opinion on something, I think, for the first time, really. Um, And not just going along with other people tell him to do or what he's expected to do um so i think there's a lot of power in that for sure i think we should also shout out that jennifer corbett wrote this episode yes yeah jennifer corbett has written some of my favorite bad batch episodes and that that has not been unnoticed by me i just feel like she should write more episodes i mean i know she is the head writer so she's still like kind of overseeing everything but it really feels Mm -hmm. like when she has written the episode specifically it's always so good um, and also Matt McNavetz too, like, dude, just, Matt McNavetz is so good. <laughs> yeah, just outstanding, outstanding writing overall, and like, no discredit to the other writers in these episodes. You have Brooke Roberts, uh, Moses Zamora, as uh, uh, Sabi Perzada, um, Jennifer Corbett, Amanda Rose Munoz, and then Matt McNavetz and uh, Jennifer Corbett. So a whole a whole slew of people here, which is great. Um, but right. let's move on to uh, episode thirteen, which is Pabu. Uh, unfortunately, not a cute, cuddly creature named Pabu, you know, I was, I was hoping it is a planet though. Uh, and a really cool planet. Like I, yeah, no, no issues from me. Pabu, Pabu's the new Nabu just cause it kind of rhymes. I don't know. I don't know. I was Pabu, really getting the new, Nabu. the new Nabu. Yeah. No, Nabu is always like, is just like untouchable, but I do really love this planet. I think it was kind of giving a, a sort of Greece vibe. I felt like we were in like ancient greece uh, in a way like just um in terms of the landscape and the ocean when you said greece i really thought of greece the movie I'm like so the musical yeah where was, was like, uh, this is john travolta in this episode like, of the bad batch where i'm was so he? sorry my brain just was like greece lightning <laughs> <laughs> yeah although we do get the munoz which are cute cuddly like monkey looking creatures in this episode which was cool which is cool they're cute uh, which i liked but a uh, couple notable people a uh, shep Shep Hazard is the mayor of Pabu, voiced by Amari Williams. Uh, you have Liana. You have also Steve Blum cameoing in this episode as uh, Mr. Inta, the old man that Wrecker carries across oh gosh, the entire city. That. That's yeah. so funny. Um, but uh, and also shout out to the Attack of the Clones worms right at the start of the episode. Oh my god, Little creepy creepy callies. They're back. I was like, still going um, strong. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 start there. Actually, before we kind of go to. Pabu, let's jump back. So uh Omega and Fee. So Fee is back from her episode earlier in the season. 
and she's about to make a deal um, with Crowder and get this. Also artifact. voiced by Steve Blum. Oh my gosh, he's, he's everywhere. all over the place. He's everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I was excited to see feedback because I feel like we kind of needed to get more of her character, and I definitely think that you know her story as it connects to Pabu gives us that. Uh, she didn't like totally stand out to me in her first couple of episodes. Um, and I really like when she's like, well, I'm teaching Omega the art of negotiation. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, and I like that whole action sequence quite a lot, actually. So uh, I thought that was fun. And I really liked the bugs. And by liked the bugs, I mean, hated the bugs, but was delighted to see the bugs in the sense that, you know, they brought me back to episode two buggy booze. Totally. Yeah. We haven't seen those guys in, in quite a while. I don't know if they're like the exact same type of worm, but I'll just pretend they are. And I'm happy about that. So, you know, unless I'm proven wrong, but yeah, Pabu though, um, great start to the episode. I was worried again that we were doing a <laughs> Sid popped up. I was like, Oh no. Oh no. Right, Sid, no. But it was like, it was actually like, uh, uh, Hunter says our mutually beneficial agreement wasn't been so beneficial comma mutually. <laughs> I was like, you go, Hunter. Like, that is the grammar. There is a Let's comma go. there. And I think that was great and just very funny, but also yeah. incredibly truthful. Um, and so I, you know, again, was delighted to see that they had come to this realization and loved the humorous moment and loved that they solidified kind of where they were at with Sid um, with B. I thought that was great. Overall, though, interesting episode. I think it's sort of a, it's sort of a presentation of an idealized life that the Bad Batch could be leading. You know, maybe Hunter settling down with Omega and Omega having a friend in Liana and like what that could look like and how they could make a home out of Pabu. And so is that something that they can sustain for a while? And they make the choice to stay for a little bit, um, not quite permanently, but, you know, it's it's just... Uh, I don't think it's going to last because I, I think they're going to rescue Crosshair and sort of see like we can we can have more than just like playing it safe and and kind of lavishly living to ourselves on a really mm. nice planet. Right. Like, are we doing any good in the galaxy if we're just self like kind of like selfish in a way and like kicking back on the on the beach of Pabu and and working and partying and like having fun while there are people across the galaxy, like their brothers who are being oppressed. And, um, uh, you know, when echo comes back in the next episode, he mentions that like, you know, we're helping our brothers because they're our brothers. Like it's not about fighting the empire. It's about helping people who are like us. And, um, I think that, it, that Pabu represents that, that pull to a life that might seem appealing, but isn't their true calling. And so like, can they overcome that? Do you, do you see it that way? I, I mean, I think it's interesting because it's, yeah, a life that may seem appealing, but it's, it's not their true calling and a life that would be totally viable, you know, for them and peaceful for them. Um, but it's not one that they feel like they can actually take advantage because they do feel like they have this additional responsibility, um, to the galaxy, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also a life that would still come with its dangers as we see like the- true the sea what is it the sea um the sea surge sea surge yes we do love alliteration so it's a, it's a nice one sea surge do i was gonna say storm surge because that's like you know the earthly yeah. equivalent but um yeah it's i i really liked 
you know, fees. Oh, can I go back to fee a little bit? I'm sorry. I'm thinking, sure. I'm thinking yeah, about totally. all these things at yeah, once. Yeah. My brain is all over the place. I really like that fee when she brings in a Pabu firstly, like she is the, they are her first guests. So that means something about who they are and what they mean to her. And also like what the kind of people that she sees them as. Um, but also she's like coming up with, I think it's called the Archium. It's essentially like a museum or a collection of artifacts. And many of these artifacts are ones that she's liberating from the cultures of the various refugees on the planet, a planet made up of refugees. So it's a place where like community is really strong. And I think that they recognize that right away. And also Fee also says like, or while they're on the ship, you know, Omega needs some friends of her own age and that don't share her genetic material. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and I really liked seeing that with Liana, um, the daughter. Um, So I thought that was really good. And like that sense of community, I think is really alluring for the uh, batch because, you know, they grew up with their fellow clones and their fellow brothers and, you know, all of those people around them. And then they lost that suddenly. And I think are trying to find their purpose and their people at the same time now. Um, and are maybe finding that that's a bit more difficult than they expect it to be. Pabu being a place, uh, where refugees have, have sought solace and, and community and, and safety. I do wonder if, is Pabu a potential home for the clones? Like the clones plural, oh. right? Cause I mean, when you think about it, the clones are kind of refugees at this point. Like they are oh, totally there on the outs. They are being pr- imprisoned. They're detained. They are being, you know, forcefully retired in some instances. They are not welcome in the galaxy. Like the, the galaxy, unfortunately that is being formed by the empire is not meant for them. Um, so like, where do they go? Like when, when your purpose and your value as a, as a, and your, for your place in society has just kind of been washed out from under you. And I think like Pabu could be a potential home that if the bad batch are going to rescue clones, like where can they bring them that the empire hasn't touched and maybe Pabu is a solution. Um, and also they could be the protectors of Pabu too, right? Like they're soldiers. They, they could protect against the empire. Maybe if they come on the doorstep, um, I don't, what do you think of that idea? Like, is it, is, am I, like I maybe onto idea. something? I, I mean, I don't know if you're onto something, but I like the idea in the sense that we know the batch stayed around to help rebuild. Um, and we know that's a place that is generally peaceful and community driven and, you know, friendly. And like, I think that's a place where many of the clones, if they wanted to live the rest of their lives, there, could do so happily and peacefully. Um, so I think that's, that's uh, definitely a thought that I like. Will it I would like it. Yeah. TBD. I mean, I do think some of the clones will go down with the fight, you know, and, and totally yeah. um, continue to keep fighting for their causes as they are able. Um, but any of those who would like to settle down, I guess I hope that they can, you know, the clones deserve that. They kind of have a, a terrible existence in the way that they were came to be and then discarded after they felt that they're you know, the, anyway, I'm rambling at this point. I'm not gonna worry about it. Um, what I would like to say the clones is, that, is a tragic story. Yeah. Uh, too long. Um, don't read. There's a line at towards the end said by the mayor and he said, yes, property was destroyed, but my people remain resilient. And I think that that was such a, one again, once again, a very loud line in this series. It reminds me a little bit of like, you know, those people who go, but the looting, 
they're taking the things. And I'm like, yeah, but everybody's fine, aren't they? Or, you know, you know, when they like, you know, like there are those videos, there's occasionally a couple of them that popped up in the past couple of months where they're at like an Apple store and somebody has decided they were going to come in at midday and steal a bunch of iPhones. And then the employees are like trying to keep people away from the person who is stealing all the iPhones and letting them steal them. You know what I'm saying? Have you right, seen those yeah. videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then everybody is, you know, really has a lot of opinions about what should have been done or should not have been done. And then other people reply to those people and are like, the property is gone. The property can be replaced. Right. You can't replace people. You know, if you've worked in any sort of customer facing role, you understand that. Like, right. Yeah. And it's like the, the whole, like the, the, the employees there are meant to protect the people because the people actually are what is valuable. Yes. Anyway. Totally. I know no, that's, a, that's a great, great connection there. Yeah. I actually but, had that thought, but it's like, yeah, but it's like a clearly a community and people oriented place. And I think that that's like, there's a lot of value in that. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that as a society. We live in a society. Um, <laughs> uh, because you see that Joker two pick speaking of which we live in a society, Lady Gaga. No, I haven't. I avoid it intentionally. No offense to Lady Listen, Gaga, who I love with my whole heart, you know, little monster for life, but like, uh, I don't think I can resist. I don't think I can resist, but well, that's another discussion for uh, another time. I will tell uh, you the speaking story of I we live in a society. watching that movie uh, off air. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Great. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's interesting though, because he says that right after you get the realization that everybody is kind of at the top of Pabu and, um, you realize that once again, everybody who's on Pabu, Pabu is a sort of refugee again. Um, somebody who is displaced and uh, has been, the, has, has, has the formations of their life have crumbled in many ways. You know, losing all your belongings in any way is not an easy thing. Thankfully, everybody made it out on Pabu. You know, they got everybody right. up which I think was really important and valuable, but still losing all your belongings, losing your home. Um, that's devastating. That's devastating. So, you know, they have a lot of work to do. And, and, um, I think the mayor's, uh, statement about their resiliency is really powerful because it speaks to their, you know, moral compass and, and, uh, community focus center. Yeah, totally. Um, I think Pabu, yeah. Well said. I can't, I can't add to that. Like it's, it is really, um, about resiliency and community. And I think like the latter half of the season is about resiliency, like overall between, um, the bad batch losing echo and crosshairs resiliency and how he will try to fight back and how he does fight back in this next episode that we're going to wrap up with. But, um, I guess we could jump to that now if we, if we, if you have anything else to say on Pabu. I have nothing else to say on the Pabu except that it's really pretty and gave me some like the occasional Moana vibes. Like, you know, they're looking off the horizon and I'm like, you know, I'm going to sing how far I'll go just to myself quietly in the corner. (laughs) Like, um, but I really liked, uh, it's a good one. The, again, once again, I really like the visuals of the Island and, um, how beautiful and peaceful it all felt. Yeah, totally. Anyway, well, let's move on to tipping point now to wrap up our episode. And we've again, we've come a far away and now 14 episodes into the season. And uh, let me tell you, let me tell you, I I was. This is a fantastic episode of the Bad Badge. I was hooting and hollering 
when that ship jumped out of hyperspace and I was like, oh my God, those are the clones. And not only was it just like, you know, one or two clones at like Echo, it was everybody. Guys, I was so worried that Echo was a goner, that they were going to write him out of the show, that they said, oh, one too many disparate elements. We're going to ditch him. But no, baby, Echo was back. Echo's back, Echo was baby. Back. Echo's and back. And not only was and he back, yeah, hero. who was he he's back hero. with? His buddies. His buddies, Gregor. Oh my God, Gregor. He's back. I was so happy to see Gregor after we saw him in War Mantle, which was like great, right? Like mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Excellent. And now he's back in the picture and I'm like, okay, I'm seeing the formation of this little friend group and rebels starting to come together. Like oh, Gregor yeah. and Rex go way back, like liberating clones, rescuing clones off prison transports. Like they are, they are going through it. They're going to live a long life. Um, and I love uh-huh. seeing Gregor in his youth. He's just so like, He's like a wild and crazy guy. He's just like Steve Martin would say, you know, I'm a wild and crazy guy, you know, throwing grenades everywhere. Like, he's just so cool. I love him. Yeah, it was so exciting to see the clones fight back against the Empire in this way. And not only that, but explicitly like rescuing fellow clones. Um, I think that was really powerful. It really um, feels like the right choice for Echo to leave in episode eight in this case and come back and tell this and kind of have this triumphant return in this story. And I have a, I have a bad thought. Can I express it? Sure. Why am I a hundred percent more interested in what Echo is doing than what the rest of the batch is? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to Omega who is the queen of my heart, but like not sorry to the rest of them who I love, but like, I was like, wait, this is thrilling. This is exciting. This has like capital B purpose. Like this is really cool, fresh, interesting, like to me stuff. And then it's not about Echo and his buddies. The story isn't about that. I had kind of the same thought too. I was like, oh my gosh, I could just watch an entire show of this, like of them going around rescuing clones. Um, I do want to shout out too. I did get, did you like kind of feel like the Luthen scene in Andor, like where Luthen takes on that transporter? Like I kind of got the same vibe here from that. Um, I was like, this is so exciting. I love it. I love it when a singular ship sticks it to the Empire, sticks it to yeah. like a, a transport all by itself. You know, it doesn't have a whole full fleet or like a full squadron. It's just one ship. Um, you know, it had like the there were so many like moving parts to the ship, like the way it rotated and then split mm-hmm. off with the little like, you know, ghosts that the like, thing that the ghost has too with the little. Right like mini ship attached to it. Um, the way they so seamlessly did this too makes me think that there has been some passage of time from episode seven because like it seems like they have a rhythm. They know how to do these missions pretty well without error. Um, did you, I, I don't know if you sense that as well, but it was just so thrilling and I hope maybe we do get there with the batch. Like I think if the show can become this, like with the Bad Batch included and like doing these sorts of missions, like helping other clones. I'll watch another like five, six seasons of the show if it's just this. He was really thinking about that number, folks. He was like, up to five or six, five or six, 10, 20, 99 seasons for Clone Wars, Clone Force 99. That's right. That's right. No, I I I won't live for it, but it's fine. Right. I, I totally agree in the sense that like, I think that, you know, that story is what's really interesting and, uh, meaty to me, you know, and maybe, maybe the story of the bad batch is that it doesn't, ha- you know, the, the story of the batch is not meaty in that sense, but they keep giving us these meaty side stories and these, this meaty time period that we're in. And I'm like, wait a second, 
why does the batch not have this much exciting meat? Um, anyway. Right. Um, as much as I do love the like, we're a family storylines. I also it's always need, we're a family. I, I also need like these sorts of storylines that are like, we are going to rescue our brothers who are behind bars and not only our brothers, but Hothauser, he is back. I thought Hot he was dead. Hothauser, baby. Hothauser, baby. I'm so, were you excited to see Hauser? Like, Oh my God. I feel like the fans are going to lose their minds when Hauser's back. Cause people like really latched hot. on to hot Hauser. I mean, okay. We got two hot clones in these episodes and I, that's a lot of hot clones. Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, this, this is like, we're talking about two separate hot clones in this six episode extravaganza, which could lead us to suspect that in one way or another, all the clones are hot. The hot batch. This is hot. the hot batch hot with Hauser and Echo and everybody. Then you got the bad batch. But the bad batch is going to become the hot batch. And then they're going to form, create a new band called the hot bad batch. The hot bad, that, was, that, was really, that was really creative, Brad. I know. I can, <laughs> I can, I can smush two words together and make a new You're band. You're a genius. You're a genius. So oh smart. my gosh. Um, oh my gosh. That's put ridiculous. a microphone in front of me. <laughs> Why do we do this? Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I liked seeing kind of all these different clones that we've gotten before come together <laughs> in this way. Um, but I think we should talk about somebody in particular who's in prison, who may or may not be being tortured, who may or may not um, have a tattoo of um, a crosshair over his eyeball. <laughs> I just noticed that. I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> crosshair. Crosshair. You're like, wait a second. That's why he's called it. That's crazy. Um, this is a uh, wild. We got Imperial Torture Droid, um, which we actually get to see it in action, which is like kind of terrifying. It's not what I imagined, but it's actually scarier than I thought. Yeah, no, it's terrifying. It's really bad. Um, yeah, oh, and this is where really, he says really like bad. the clones are Imperial property, according to um, his name. I can't remember it, even though we just talked about it. I wrote it down. Also, Henlock. Hemlock. Hemlock. Crosshair's choice to stun the doctor as well. The, the lady doctor. Right. Who he's stunning versus who he's killing. Right. And I wonder if that is going to help him because I, I, I got a sense of compassion from her at the end of the episode because mm. there's like a close up of her before it goes back to. Uh, actually, no, I think it stays on her to end the episode. But there's almost like this look on her face that she feels like maybe there's they're doing something wrong or maybe this should be happening. So I don't know if she's going to feel like sympathy towards Crosshair because he spared her life and maybe that will help in his escape. I don't know. I do not know either, but I think that 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 moment is definitely intentional because he doesn't kill her, but he kills all of the troopers. Right. He encounters um, stormtroopers, too. Right. Because they stun the Bad Batch Humans. stuns clone troopers. Yeah. But they kill stormtroopers. This is all very intentional here. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think we gotta I think we gotta make a point and give prop hair prop hair. What is happening to me? Prop, prop hair. I, prop I was hairs. gonna say crosshair. Some it's props. crosshair, but he prop. only uses props for weapons. Prop it's really hair. Good. Yeah, <laughs> and I he really, has hair too. I like cannot speak and I cannot type anymore, and I'm like actually a little bit concerned for myself. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, is this COVID brain? Somebody inject you with like the. Is this imperial droids is this like post-covid brain should i, I like actually yeah be yeah about this? um no i was like that for a couple weeks so you're good yeah i'm really forgetting a lot of 
words in my emails at work. Uh, You're good. Which, Who needs words when you have a podcast? Me. Uh, I send emails to people for a living. Yeah. Everybody does that. No, no, no. I customer world, service emails, all emails for a limit. everywhere. I, I like try and solve people's problems to people who are mad at me. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, okay. So I thought it was really interesting and like is a testament to Crosshair's just willpower that after being tortured relentlessly, he gets up and he fights back and like fights his way out as much as he possibly can until he gets caught I was again. fist pumping the air so like, hard. It was, it was really, it felt like, um, it felt like, the Kino Loy Andor arc oh, just a little totally. bit. And yeah. it also felt like, you know, the Jen Urso were going to take every chance until the, the chances are spent. Um, it felt like that kind of energy that he was expressing there. And you could tell that something had really, really changed for him. Um, I initially thought that he was going to give them Sid, uh, but he wouldn't, you know, give anything up. And then he decided to, you know, that he was going to be tortured instead then the fact that he sends a message using his old code with a plan that like only the batch knows. That's really smart. I was like, oh my gosh. Like he's resilient, but he's smart. He knows he can't win to get out. Like he knows he's not escaping, but he knows what can I do? What's the best next best option? What is the next best option? And the next best option is contacting his brothers. Okay. Oh, so exciting. I mean, we don't know how Crosshair actually like feels about them or about what they're doing, but we know that enough has changed for him. I mean, the title of this episode is Tipping Point. We know that enough has changed for him that he is willing to reach out in a way that he knows that they can answer it. Right. You and know? even they are skeptical, like, is this a trap again or do we help him? Right. Um, and I think they ultimately will. I mean, they're going to help him. Like, it's, you know, that's I the just finale. Know if they all get back together in season three or not. Like, I, I'm so fascinated to know how this finale turns out because I think this setup in this episode are so strong. Like, and now not every episode has to be like this. And, you know, they, I don't want them all to be like this. But I think that this episode did an excellent, excellent job of bringing together, you know, the story that Echo is going on, the story that Crosshair is going on, the story that the Batch is going on, and actually like moving the plot forward and moving the action forward in a way that is so thrilling and exciting. And for the like really the first time in this entire season, I am finally clamoring for more. And also um, the way that uh, Senator Chuchi and Coruscant is going because she does make an appearance. Right. You're right. Absolutely. In this briefly, too. So there's like stuff happening politically still, which I didn't think she'd come back into the picture. But like she is helping to aid these these clones and to mm-hmm. aid Echo on their mission, which I think is fascinating um, that she is sticking to her guns and being a voice for the clone uh, people as a people. Um, yeah, no, I'm totally in agreement. I have never I, I think I'm even more excited uh, for this finale than season one, um, which season one was like a really, was also like a really good, uh, cliffhanger ending. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, <laughs> especially going into Poca city, like that's, it's hard to top that. So I feel like we're going to get some pretty good stuff. I would love to see the season end on crosshair getting his chip out. I think like just that moment of like, maybe the eyes open and the season ends or something, you know, like after he gets mm. the chip out, that could be really cool. Um, but yeah, I got to say, when he got into that comm room and just like got on the comms and was like plan 88, I'm like, oh my God, let's go. Let's go, baby. Like, right. I'm ready. Oh. I'm ready. 
Oh my God. Dr. Hemlock's talk. First of all, his name is like Hemlock, which doesn't, is that like, let Sounds me. like headlock. It, yeah. Hemlock is a plant though. And it has, it's toxic. Oh, well that, even, that checks out. Even a small amount of this plant can kill people, livestock and wildlife. Well, there you is go. What Google says. And so on, a, whether his name is not or, or not is spelled like that, uh, that's immediately what I thought of. And then when that toxin was in the room and then he walked in without a helmet on and he's like, oh, I have yeah. developed an immunity to it. And I'm like, what a oh, creep. you're, you're, you're crazy. Crazy. You're mad scientist. You're to the mad, max. mad man. And not in a complimentary sort of, we're all mad here. Mad Hatter sort of vibe. Like nobody wants to be in a room with you because you are creepy. Mad scientist sort of vibe. Right. <laughs> he must be fun at parties. He's like, hey, you want to see this toxin that I developed? That's super cool. I'm immune to it. <laughs> I'm immune to it. Yeah, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, weirdo, get out of my party. Really, he's really scary. And that scene was really scary because um, you could see the way that Crosshair suffered too. Yeah, I do think they did a great job of portraying Crosshair's pain and like anguish throughout this whole experience and not just like glossing over that. Um, that like, oh, he's a soldier. He can get through it. Like, no, he really is like at his most vulnerable spot that he's ever been in. And you get a sense of that um, with this episode. So I, I can't wait. The next two episodes are called The Summit and Plan 99. So I have, like oh. a little like a little spin oh, on that. Oh, wait. You know? The Summit and Plan 99. Well, the summit. Okay, wait. So the summit, uh, Tarkin tells Hemlock, we'll see you at the summit. So uh, he's like, I'm, I'm looking forward oh. to your plans because Hemlock says, I have, uh, you know, send the clones to me. I can do much more with them than you might think of just like discarding them. Like I got I got better plans for them. And then Tarkin says, well, I look forward to seeing your your proposal at the summit. So um, maybe the summit is on Coruscant. Maybe it's like a meeting of all the worst people. Mm. Maybe we'll get some, you know interesting maybe Sly uh, will show up. background characters like uh maybe Masa like Mata. an orson krennic in there or something or um, i hope so you know maybe just maybe just some people on the periphery of 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 uh the empire you know mm-hmm. maybe like a, mm-hmm. uh, don't know maybe thrawn's there i don't know i don't think he'll be there but <laughs> i don't you know. know i don't know no yeah <laughs> sarah do you have any bold predictions for the finale any any hopes dreams um group hug yeah with the whole batch yeah, included. I'd be a feeling. stark parallel to the season one ending, which was like them leaving and Crosshair mm-hmm. standing on the platform. So mm-hmm. I think we'll get something to sort of mirror that. Are we getting a season three? Yeah, we we are getting a season three. That's already been confirmed, right? I think. Has it? Well, because the directors said that they're. I think they already said they were working on season three. I don't know if that's been explicitly like confirmed, but I think they're they're doing it. You know? It'll probably get confirmed at celebration, I would imagine, or maybe yeah. like, you know, well, I guess the week after this ends is celebration. So I would assume they're going to do some sort of panel on the Bad Batch or maybe like Star Wars animation in general. Um, I hope. I hope it gets confirmed. Yeah. Do you, I don't I don't know if I see the show going past three seasons. I would be surprised, but um, I, I do think a third season is warranted. And I'd like to see an entire season with like, you know, chipless crosshair in the batch. If that's where we end up in these next two episodes, I think that could be very valuable. Yeah, me, me too. I think that that would be cool um, to have them all together again and like paving a new path. 
Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, so I, I do hope I was like, that... and that's the end of my thought. <laughs> Uh, I would say like bold predictions for me. I do hope we see Lamasu finally uh, eat shit. Uh, I think he deserves it. He he's he's had far too many lives. What is this guy? A cat? No, he is a Kaminoan. Uh, get him out. Get him out of here. He's a piece yeah, of crap. How do you, what do you want Nala Say to do though? Uh, Nala Say should survive. I I like okay. Nala Say. I think that she stuck to her guns. Um, she does have a moral compass in comparison to Lamasu. What um, if the batch and- gets Nala Say? That could be interesting. Yeah. Because then they would have access to the person who has the information. That's, that's maybe like an extra, extra spicy bold prediction, but like, you know, we can, we can throw that into the universe. I'm sorry. Lama Sue kills, or no, what if Nala say kills Lama Sue? That'd be spicy. See the uh, Kaminoans fight? That'd be kind of weird. They have really long necks. I know. They just start like (laughs) hitting each other on their (laughs) necks. Edit that out right now. I hate that image so much. (laughs) I was just more talking about like the way that they move, which is like very slow and like, you know, smoothly and then like trying to fight with that vibe. I feel like if Lamasu was fighting, he'd be like, eh, punch. Where is this episode going, Brad? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we're going to. Who are we becoming? Anyways, if we continue dabbling in speculation, who knows where we're going to be going at this point? Uh, so let's, let's move on. But any, any other final thoughts, uh, actually shout out to, um, Omega getting flying lessons from tech in this episode. I thought that was incredibly fun and I was laughing the entire time, specifically when Omega's like the collision sensors haven't even gone out once. And tech says that's because they shorted out in your last lesson. (laughs) He got her. Um, I also just loved how excited uh, omega was to see echo like the best yeah. part of this show hands down i mean we love when the show has meaty content we love that sort of stuff but the best part of the show is omega's giant heart totally you know and yeah. that moment was so precious and she's like um you know calling him over the calm and you know was like i'll meet you there just the sweetest and then she runs across the courtyard to him oh oh my heart precious 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 so omega continues to be a shining star a light in my life i know i talk a lot of shit about the batch themselves but i'm really just talking about the clone like the adult male clones and not you know my sweet baby girl omega uh because she is everything (laughs) everything well i cannot wait for finale week uh it's gonna be a fun one we will be here talking about both episodes uh at that point Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for our conversation to wrap up uh, the Bad Batch. And then we got a really couple uh, fun months ahead of us after that with some uh, um, High Republic coverage, Mandalorian. Like we got a lot of stuff coming up on the Star Wars docket. So did you know there's also a whole uh, entire Star Wars celebration also yeah. happening? Literally um, uh, two weeks from the time this episode is dropping. So... I am frantically packing while you're listening to this and I'm probably crying about it because I've never gone to Europe. So uh, enjoy that image in your mind and savor it. <laughs> Brad running around his apartment just like, yeah, like pack. literally crying. Like how I can't bring 20 t-shirts this time. Uh, I have to I? have room in my suitcase. Anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. There's exciting stuff ahead. Lots of exciting stuff in the world of Star Wars. And I hope you join us on our journey to finish out this season. Uh, Because it should be a good one, according to this 
episode number 14 this last episode so i um, i have a feeling we're gonna love the finale like we're just gonna like be raving about it i hope so i think so yeah i hope so i Um, hope so that also being said you know i we've brought it up in every episode thus far and i really want to continue to bring it up that the conversation about unwhite around unwhitewash the bad batch is still important is still one that we want to continue to shine a light on so we have resources in our description of the episode yeah, definitely uh, an important conversation to keep having. And, you know, as we talk about season three, hopefully we see uh, many improvements there as well. I think that's the time to to do it. Um, and I think at that point, there's no excuse. So um, with that being said, uh, again, no easy way to transition off that one. But with that being said, uh, that wraps it up for today's episode. Um, end of our discussion on the sixth episode extravaganza. That was good. That was a good one. It was a good one. I enjoyed our conversation. We hope you all enjoyed it as well. Going almost an hour and a half uh, talking about these six episodes. If you want to hear more from us, we're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Hive, you name it, all the socials. You can also follow Sarah and I on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Goodreads to see what we're saying, watching, and reading. Uh, Great places to interact with us and uh, see what we're up to. And also, if you'd be so kind, wherever you're listening to this episode, please drop a a five-star rating and review if you could because it helps other folks find the show uh, which is always important brings more people into the conversation as we talk about these star wars projects and um you know makes us feel happy when we get good feedback on the show as well so we we appreciate it yeah and we also have a patreon where tears start at just a dollar if you want to support us in that way we always appreciate it never required of course um and we are so so grateful seriously i i say it every week and then i say i say it every week but like it's true <laughs> It really is. Thank you for everyone who, uh, you know, chips in a couple of bucks to keep this podcast going. We appreciate it. And thank you to you, listener, for taking the time to uh, go on this six episode extravaganza with us. It's been a party. Hope you partied along with us. Yeah. And we will keep partying on next week as we raid Mount Tantus and rescue our boy Crosshair. Let's get him. Let's get him out of there. Come home, Crosshair. Come home. You got it. You got it, dude. Alrighty. That's it for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. Until next time, may the force be with you always. Bye-bye.